All right, let's get out to the Smart Rain special guest line. It's no mystery. Utah's in an extreme drought. That is why Smart Rain is the solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation smartly. Joining us now, our good friend, of course, former Ute, Christian Cox, with us here on The Big Show. What's up, Christian? What's going on, Jake? What's going on, Gordon? Hey, Christian. We're just talking a little football, buddy. Uh, you you uh, recovering from the weekend? Oh, what? What? From what? What? Which game? <laughs> which one are you talking about? First Utah loss since you were on the team. How about that? Yeah. What was it? Two thousand nine. So yeah, it was. Um, it's quite the game. I don't know where you want to go with it, but we can, there's a lot of ways we can take this one. Well, well look, yeah. Sorry. No, go what, ahead. What, what's your what? What were your first impressions? Listen, I people ask me how. How do you feel? What's your reaction? You know, what's the immediate response to the game? And honestly, I I wasn't angered. I knew, I said to you guys, I think on our call last week, the only way BYU has got a shot is if they let the crowd get into it and make some mistakes to start the game. And quite frankly, Utah got out utah by BYU. BYU ran a perfect game plan. And two early mistakes, letting a crowd get all of the momentum. Utah hasn't really been on a real road game in a long time. And so you allowed Lavelle Edwards Stadium to become rocking and loud and get some momentum. And, yeah, you only gave up three points. But uh, from those two turnovers, it just didn't allow you to get into sync. And then on top of that, um, I thought whether it was Elisa or whether it was Kalani on the game plan of flip-flopping instead of dropping eight and playing, you know, kind of an easier scheme, keeping everything in front of you, they got aggressive. And uh, the offensive line for Utah just got kind of punished. And the crowd noise got in it, and they couldn't make adjustments at the line. And um, it really was a game that started to get away from them. And uh, it was a game Utah really never had control over, and that's the first time in all of that this series that Utah really didn't have control over. And it's pretty interesting. Who would have thought if you know uh, going for instead of kicking a field goal would have changed the full trajectory of a game, especially in the second quarter? You know, instead of you know kicking a field goal, taking it ten to ten, hindsight's twenty twenty. Instead. BYU drives all the way down, scores a touchdown, and takes a 16-7 lead at halftime while completing the big play on third down. BYU just out-executed Utah in big-time moments. And I think the you know what the conversion percentage, you guys can say the stats on it, but BYU's conversion percentage, they had a lot more third-down opportunities stuck on the field, wore down the Utah defense, and never allowed the Utah offense to get clicking. And Charlie Brewer was running for his life, and he's not Tyler Huntley. Uh, People love Tyler Huntley, but Tyler Huntley made a lot of spectacular plays with his feet late, dump-off passes to Zach Moss, and he'd scamper for a touchdown. Didn't have that opportunity in the game, and Charlie Brewer's never played in this this rivalry, and uh, it was a hostile environment. And uh, kudos to uh, A-Rod, to A-Rod, who... Outcoach Morgan Scally, right? And uh, kudos to Elisa Tuyaki, who outschemed Andy Ludwig. It really was, they got beat in the trenches and they got beat in every phase. Uh, special teams was a wash. Um, but ultimately, you got you to gotta give credit where credit's due. And, uh, you know, good for Utah to get this out of the way early. But, man, what a, what a street fight. And um, it was going back and forth with coaches. And, 
that's how you have to play this game and how to beat Utah. You, you gotta you gotta beat them at their own game, and that's Street Fighter too. Those third down conversions were eleven of nineteen for BYU, two of nine for the Utes. Yeah, and that that's for me that's that tells the story, and and obviously the turnovers uh, coupled with that. Like if if you guys you guys remember this game, I think it was Clemson Alabama. Uh, when Deshaun Watson was playing, Alabama, I think, was stuck on defense, I think, 30 or 40 more plays. Every advantage is to the offense. They get to line up. They control the, the calls. They can audible to change plays. And in a hostile environment like that, um, you know, BYU rode the wave of, uh, of momentum. And you could tell they wanted it just a little bit more. Right? You could feel it. They wanted it. They wanted the, the the thing to end, and and honestly, that's that's what happened uh, in the game. So Witt on Monday came out and said the offense's problems were different than the defensive problem. The offensive problem were mistakes, uh, execution, those sorts of things. Defensive problem was they wore down and got pushed around. What's the bigger concern? Yeah, that was the, that was I think the weirdest part of the whole thing is you just you you. you you flip-flopped on the challenges and, you know, we expected, I think in our, you know, when you go in with a lot of ego into a game and there was a lot of ego, uh, you know, when you win nine straight, Utah's offense, you felt like it was going to be phenomenal, but you didn't take into account that BYU's defensive line was going to get a pass rush and was going to create massive havoc against Charlie Brewer. He never could get his, his feet settled he was he that interception to the right side that he threw to, to Chaz Ayu. He's getting pressured. He's starting to get tackled, and he makes a mistake and throws it wide. These were all the things that BYU was doing uh, over the, the nine-game losing streak, right? I think Francis Bernard caught a, a pick six uh, against Zach Wilson two years ago, and in this scenario. Um, you know, the BYU defensive line was ferocious, was getting penetration and just was, was creating real, real havoc. And, uh, what was, what was interesting to me is not only that, um, you know, I'll just go back to, you know, Utah fans. There's a lot of crossover, right? Morgan Scally, Kalani Sataki, those guys in 08, 09, guess who they were scrimmaging against every day in spring and fall camp. They're going against they're going against Andy Ludwig. Guess who A Rod was going against right when he was the OC that same that same defense and so they had a scheme from the very beginning BYU they're going to take these short yards and and go to Algier and and do a little ground and pound and get four yards but then um, Jaron Hall I thought the I thought some of these plays were fantastically schemed. All of a sudden, they would run a quick play. You get into what's called NASCAR, and you run a zone read. Uh, and that's what Brian Johnson did in the 07, 08 days, if you remember. You do a, a read option against the DN, and this was against Mika Tafua, who's one of the better DNs, and you're on an island. And as a DN, being a former DN, that is your biggest fear, to be left alone and you overcommit. And then he's fast enough, just like Taysom Hill, just gets around the edge and that was that big game-breaking play. Yeah, he stepped out on the sideline heading to the south. But that was just momentum swing, blow after blow. And just like you read off uh, there, Gordon, those third-down conversions summed up the game because the defense couldn't get off the field. The defense couldn't cause any turnovers. 
zero havoc plays. Devin Lloyd was locked up. And uh, I think just BYU was more physical than Utah, which is – I can't even believe I said that out of my mouth. Yeah, Utah is athletic, but um, this game is a game of inches, but it's a game of heart and scheme. And BYU dialed up the right scheme, and end of the day, greater symbol goes to A-Rod, <laughs> greater symbol goes to Tuiaki. And uh, you got to give credit where credit's due. And I think you're right on with that, Christian, because a lot of times – Folks will watch the way a team performs in a game uh, and think, wow, what was the matter with them? They played crappy. Why didn't they play better? But it's been my experience in observing sports for a long, long time. Usually there's a reason for that beyond just a team not showing up, and that is an opponent who is uh, forcing them to to either make mistakes or uh, underachieve. And it seems like that's what BYU did. Well, isn't that why we love football, though? Like, football is the, the great game of momentum. Uh, you can kind of you can feel it drive after drive, right? You could, you could flip back and reverse to the Ty Jordan touchdowns against Washington State where Utah, against Washington State where Utah was losing and you saw the switch go on and all of a sudden they roared back and put up 24 points. That was the Utah people were wanting to see from, from Brewer and – uh, you know, and, and obviously Micah Bernard did a great job uh, in having a big day, but there was none of that in, in consistent form, right? You, you run out of drives, and that's really what happened. But I think that's what you love about football is when you get your team fully humming and fully uh, with energy, momentum, and you are knocking every single play right, and even the plays that you make a little mistakes – they're being overcome by the momentum of the, the stands, but the team and, and BYU played with that. They played with an edge and just in the trenches, like as lame as it sounds. And we talk about it, but I was watching the line of scrimmage and a lot of BYU's uh, guys were on the other side of the line and no one really watches that area because it's kind of boring. Only Hans really does, but that's where this game's won. And I, I knew I knew about the second quarter. I was like, "This is going to be. This isn't looking good, and this is this is going to be a real issue in the third quarter if Utah can't turn the momentum." And like I said, from that moment where it was seven, it was seven to ten. Kyle decided to go for it, and I get why he went for it. I really do. You're playing with house money. You want to take a blow, go up fourteen to ten, but you don't get it. You run a shotgun run and get stuffed don't love the play call and not only that you're on third and 10 on your 10 yard line to get out and you couldn't get out and you allowed them to march all the way down for a touchdown that is when you talk about like just game breaking momentum plays that sums it up and for me what sums up the full game in totality is this it's the final drive where utah has ball two minutes charlie brewer throws it's third and five i can't remember who he threw it to whether it was theo or uh, Ennis, I, I don't know who it was, so I don't want to give poor credit, but hits him right in the hands. He drops it. It's fourth and five. He throws an out to a wide open Britton Covey, and he sails it. And he sails it because he knows the magnitude of when it is, and he just where he's just been so on forever. He just sailed the ball and couldn't deliver it on time because of all the weight and all the pressure, momentum that is built over the entire game on his shoulders, and so. For me, that just summed up the game. It was like, all right, well, 
can't complete a wide open fourth and five ball right after your guy dropped a wide open pass, um, you know, move on to the next. So, Christian, how do you put a tough loss behind you uh, to try and, you know, fulfill the potential of the team? I'm sure they still feel they have. Yeah, I, I think that's the the blessing of a conference, right? And you're playing in the Pac-12 conference. And uh, the Pac-12 South, you know, one week looks uh, unbeatable to the next. The the North is bounced back. Like, this conference is it's Jekyll and Hyde, man. Like, Stanford, I watched some of the highlights, Stanford, Kansas State. They looked offensively bad. They only put up seven points. Go on the road, get Clay Helton fired, and, and just outpowered USC. And Oregon going on the road against uh, Ohio State, uh, they ran the ball with, with Verdell and did really, really well. So they have, a, they have a very long, hard road ahead of them. But that's the, that's the thing, right? You control your destiny by winning games. You get Oregon at home this year, right? You're going to play, uh, I believe they're at SC. And so there's, there's opportunities for them to go get big road games and still be in it with a big home win against Oregon. But that's going to take one game at a time. And the offensive line's got to get a lot better. Offense has got to get better. It's game two. And, and candidly, San Diego State ain't no slouch. And what they did to Arizona, uh, it was a beatdown, um, especially to compare the BYU uh, win versus San Diego State. That's not naturally how it always works, but they're going to have a really tough time, and it's a really good challenge for them to really focus all of their energy on uh, winning and rebounding from a loss. Sometimes I haven't personally experienced this in my career, but sometimes maybe in high school, losing early resets you for the best regular season possible. And um, losing is a good thing. Like people talk about, you you know, Utah's terrible in November. Well, maybe this is the year that they use a loss to a rival and records are meant to be broken, right, uh, to really focus on the conference and beating San Diego State first because you, you lose at home, or I guess they're on the road at San Diego State. You lose twice. You lose to BYU and San Diego State. It's like, what is this, the early Mountain West days? So what do you think happens, uh, Christian, to BYU moving forward? Obviously with Arizona State this week uh, and uh, and some other P5 teams coming up. I mean, do you think this team has the capability of doing something a little special? Well, that's I think that's the cool part. And, like, I'm not – listen, I you know this. Kalani was my D coordinator. I root for him. Elisa Tuiaki, I was a freshman. He was a senior. He's my running back at Southern Utah. Gary Anderson recruited him. Aaron Roderick was the OC then. I root for those guys. Like Jason Ayu is Chaz Ayu's father. He was my D-line coach with John Pease. I hope they do well. The difference, though, is they've gone through two Pac-12 schools. Arizona State, you don't know who they really are. Are they good or are they not? Uh, I think they played Southern Utah first game of the season. Um, but if this is a new BYU team, and if it plays with the same energy and edge and not get too ahead of itself and – stays humble and focused um is this the byu team that beats usc and then goes on the road and loses to south florida or um or is this a, a new chapter and, and candidly uh, they can play with the same type of energy and effort like i think they could beat arizona state uh but if they go out and 
think they've arrived. Uh, they lose to Arizona State, and I, I think it sets them back just a little bit. They weren't going to go perfect. They only have five Pac-12 games this year. But think about it. You're 3-0 and in the Pac-12. You've got your Big 12 invite. Uh, you're playing with your own style. These are Kalani's recruits. These are BYU's recruits. These are Fessy's recruits. Um, this is a, 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 a new era that is down at BYU, and it's actually reflective of some physicality and not finesse, and they've got some athleticism on the edges, uh, and, you know, good for them. And uh, is, that, is that game on the road or is it at home? Which game? I'm sorry. Oh, BYU-Arizona State. Oh, it's, it's in Provo. It's, yeah. it's on Saturday night. Yeah. Listen, if they blow it at home, <laughs> that that would be like – Okay, I'll give you this like Florida State BYU 2010 or whatever 2009, right? Uh, there's no reason why they shouldn't come out and play with the same hostility with the crowd behind them and just come out and methodically beat Arizona State. Uh, if it was a road game, it'd be different, but you know, three and zero, it's a good opportunity to have a really really good season and. And for them, I think it cements them as not just a, a, a one-year wonder. And I, and I think that's what the guys and their kids are playing for. And uh, I can relate to those kids in a way that you have a really, really good season. Well, how good are you the next season? And all of the, the guys who weren't getting a lot of reps are now getting more and more reps. A lot of no-name kids are now becoming named kids. And uh, this is their team. And um, – They've got a, a massive opportunity to, to beat Arizona State at home. But if, if they lose at home, that, that kind of diminishes the rivalry. Obviously, they'll love the rivalry win, but it just sets them back. They, with each win, they're playing with house money and just legitimizes how physical and how real the program is. You have a lot of naysayers of, oh, how good is Jaron Hall? Listen, Jaron Hall's like Taysom Hill. He can run the ball. He can run the offense. He can throw better on the move than in the pocket. But to win games, all you have to do is play that exact style they played against Utah. doesn't have to be high scoring, but play physical, control the clock, win on third down, win in the turnover battles, win in the red zone, and that's how you win college football games. And I'll tell you, what you underscored there, Christian, I think is right on the money, and it's really what makes that game Saturday night so interesting. Because if the, if the Cougars do it again, then that proves what you were just talking about, that they do have the focus, that they do have the determination, they do have the physicality, and they, they that they can, you know, maybe, maybe do something extraordinary. I, I don't know if that'll happen, but they sure look determined against the youths, like, like you said. I mean, they look like they were dialed in 100%. Well, I think, and, I, and, I, and again, I don't know how the Utah fans that are listening are loving what I'm saying, but... They looked balanced at all positions, actually, for the first time. They had some weakness in the run game to a degree, but like offensively, they're pretty they're, they're pretty balanced. You got Algier, who's a really strong runner, but then in the throw game, you got lots of options. You know, you got Gunnar Romney, you got the Nakua brothers. Um, you know, you got Katoa as, a, as another running back who's very seasoned. And Hall is very nimble. He's very good. And I, I credit to A-Rod in the scheme because people, don't, people can't see that on, on national TV, and you can't see it through the TV unless you watch the game film. There's just subtle plays, and I'll give you one more play on it. The subtle play was that the, the, it was, looked like a touchdown where he stepped out of bounds. They went NASCAR, which was fast. They then ran the zone option, the zone read, 
got them all moving to the right. He keeps the ball, runs around the DN, and he's he's just going to the house. He's going. No one can touch him. The only person who in the scheme of Utah can stop him is the DN and maybe a safety. And Hall is fast enough, like Taysom, he can just outrun people. Uh, where he'll need to work is just pocket, but that's probably not how they're going to run the offense with him. They're going to – he's only a sophomore. So uh, if they do not win against Arizona State, I'll say it again, uh, it sets it sets them back. But if they do win, it legitimizes the program and the trajectory, and they'll get more recruits, and um, they're going to keep building a culture and team that people will want to play for. Well, Christian, thank you for jumping on with us. As always, we appreciate it, buddy. Okay. Good to see you, Jake. See you, Gordon. See you. Our friend Christian Cox, uh, former Ute and uh, New England Patriot and clarinetist. Just <laughs> nice. Just as interesting to see if BYU can continue to be focused is how will the Utes bounce back from what happened in that game and how will they do against San Diego State. Jake, I, I find both of these games really compelling. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah, I could, I could, I could say compelling. I think Utah has a little more to lose, but there's a lot at stake as far as the upside goes for BYU and, of course, Utah. You think they want to lose to the Aztecs? No, they don't. That's why I'm saying I think Utah has more to lose. I mean, I, I know. You know, B or, or Christian put a lot of pressure on BYU to follow it up right there. I don't know if I 100% agree. Uh, it depends on what your expectations are now for this team. Our previous guest, Hode, had Arizona State as the Pac-12 champions. <laughs> yeah, but think about, again, the upside. Right, the if upside. BYU beats this team. That's three straight South Division Pac-12 opponents. Right. I don't think BYU still has a whole lot to lose. That was my point. I think Utah has much more to lose. Well, it depends on if you consider it in economic terms that they do have a lot to lose based on the potential for what they have to gain. You know. That didn't that, that didn't make any sense. What? They have a lot more to lose based on what they have to gain? Yeah. That doesn't make uh, any sense yes, at all. It does. No, it doesn't. It, look, you talk to any professor of economics and they will tell you that it's not just the 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 the, the dollar figures for or again. It's what you can lose based on what you could gain. So you can lose in a major way by missed opportunity for what you could gain. I don't think it's actually possible to lose something you never had. Well, potential. What you could potentially have. Bird in the hand, ball on the carpet, bro. <laughs> I don't think you could lose There's something you never had. There's a professor of economics Let's see who was it on that play. It was Rhett Bird. Rhett we're not talking who, who, economic who can theory. Explain this to Jake so that he, you know, I mean, there, there, yeah, there is the gain, what you could potentially gain versus what you lose. You can factor that in. I don't think you can. I don't think that made any sense. You are so stubborn. I mean, how do how did your teachers educate you? Because every time they present some concept to you, you look at them like, oh, well, that's not true. That makes no sense. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. It doesn't, though. You just need to have the frame of reference, you know, the uh, you know the knowledge to be able to pass that along. That's not true either. <laughs> Man, I got a lot, a lot of respect for your mom and dad. I, I don't know how they did it. 
How did they? How did they raise you? What I'm just supposed to sit here and be insulted? Well, I mean, if you one. give, you give, you get. You know, and I think they give and they give and they take back, and then you, you don't get. You're not very pliable at times. You know, that's what I'm saying. You're the person who said something that didn't make sense. It made perfect sense. Look, look, I'm going to take myself out of this equation. Could you please call the studio? If you have a background in, in what I'm talking about here, will you please call so Jake can understand it? Maybe it's my fault. Maybe I didn't explain it properly. And if you could help Jake come to a new understanding of something new today, well, I will, you know, I'll be amazed at that. What's the phone number? It's uh, 1-855-340-ZONE. I thought I had you there. 855-340-ZONE. Please, I'm begging someone, someone with knowledge, could you please call in and explain this to Jake? And Jake, if someone does that, will you then open up your ears? Gordon, we're talking about football, not advanced economic theory. (laughs) Yeah, but all those things apply to football. No, not really. But now you're now we're arguing over the application of what I said. Thank you for your contribution there, John Maynard Keynes. <laughs> More next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.